Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, Christian Voice in Your Home. So good to be with you again today. Good to be back in studio. Uh, I have uh, had some challenges on the home front myself. Uh, and so, as she always does, Frances has done a wonderful job filling in the gaps that I create. And uh, I very much appreciate that. And while I'm on that topic, Frances, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I f- I'm feeling very blessed. And I'm glad that you're here in the studio uh, with me again, Mark. It's always such a joy to have these Carmelite conversations with you and to share with our listening audience. And we're so grateful when uh, people write in and uh, let us know what they think and uh, what their questions are. And, you know, it's, it's, you're just such a wonderful source of answering those questions for them, too. Uh, so I really appreciate that, Mark. Well, and another topic we have had people write in on, and in fact, we had one last week. Someone wrote in and said there was a disconnect between one of our programs and the title of that program it actually led them to something else i want to make sure our audience knows how much we appreciate when they share with us um, that information because francis and i don't always uh, get to identify these disconnects and so it's very meaningful to us one it tells us that you care about what it is that we have to say and you want to listen to that particular program those in fact were the comments of the woman who who wrote in, I won't share her name because she hasn't asked me to do that, but um, more to the point, um, recognizing that we want to be as accurate as we can in what we're communicating and um, the accuracy of the uh, programs that we are um, creating. And so it's important to us if we don't do that or if we fail in some way to do that, um, that you notify us of this. In this case, it was a simply a... a a linkage problem. Yeah, linkage yeah. to the now we're good. to the actual program. So we appreciate that feedback. Um, I do want to share just quickly before we go into prayer, because I actually want this included in our prayer, Francis, that the topic that kept me away uh, from the studio here recently was the passing of my father-in-law, a wonderful man, 92-year-old, uh, World War II veteran. His name was Robert Munn, and I offer all that. Uh, because I invite our audience to pray for his soul. He was a devout Catholic, uh, a man of great faith, and I oftentimes, in fact, related the fact that I oftentimes saw um, his rosary beads uh, strung through his hands. And um, he was uh, a father of 11 children and uh, married to a woman who was still alive, his wife, Pat, uh, a wonderful couple, the um, uh, parents, of course, of my wife. Uh, and if she's any indication of their parenting, then... Uh, they did that pretty well. So They certainly uh, did. We <laughs> love Becky. <laughs> so I appreciate a prayers for Robert Munn as we enter into prayer here today. Francis, would you lead us in our prayer? Yes. Well, I want, to, I want us to keep in mind what upcoming feast day for Carmelites is coming up. It is the feast day of St. Teresa Vavla coming up October the 15th. So this program actually is going to be um, dealing with St. Teresa Vavla and her intimate friendship with Jesus Christ. So that is our theme for this conversation, intimate friendship with Jesus Christ. I also want to point out, don't want to forget this, another big day, the following day on October 16th is going to be the canonization of Elizabeth of the Trinity. She will become a saint. And Mark and I have been waiting for this day for a long time, really expecting it to happen. And so we will be uh, rejoicing with all of heaven um, with that great celebration. So as we uh, begin in this prayer, um, I want to focus on uh, St. Teresa's, the book of her life. 
life where she is um, speaking to the Lord um, in one of her impromptu prayers while she was writing the work. So let us get recollected and let us pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord of my soul and my good, when a soul is determined to love you, By doing what it can to leave all and occupy itself in this divine love, why don't you desire that it enjoy soon the ascent to the possession of perfect love? The whole fault is ours if we don't soon reach the enjoyment of a dignity so great. For the perfect attainment of this true love of God brings with it every blessing. We are so miserly and so slow in giving ourselves entirely to God, that since his majesty does not desire that we enjoy something as precious as this without paying a high price, we do not fully prepare ourselves. There is nothing on earth with which one can buy so wonderful a blessing. But if we do what we can to avoid becoming attached to any earthly thing, and let all our care and concern be with heavenly things. And if within a short time we prepare ourselves completely, as some of the saints did, I believe without a doubt that in a very short time this blessing will be given to us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Powerful words from a saint, a saint who we're going to celebrate the uh, feast day of on the 15th. And I want to focus, uh, Francis, if we can, just a moment on the last uh, of St. Teresa's words to us. She says, and if within a short time we prepare ourselves completely, as some of the saints did, I believe without a doubt that in a very short time this blessing will be given to us. Of course, the blessing uh, she's referring to is this encounter with the living God and um, we have not only her words, but uh, soon uh, the canonization, as you mentioned, of Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity, Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity then, her life as a great model for us to follow, both Teresa's and Elizabeth's as lives to follow, lives primarily of an interiority, uh, a, a predisposition uh, to this intimate encounter Uh, And it is what we're called to in the contemplative life, regardless of our station in life, be it secular or um, lay person, uh, religious, uh, or or what have you. Um, This interior life is available to all of us. St. Teresa is telling us that it is up to us, really, to take the the first steps to uh, begin to deepen that relationship. Well, Mark, as we get into this conversation about the intimate friendship with Jesus, I just want to share this little story about... Um, Teresa Vavala. Once uh, she was in the convent, um, she was around the stairwell and she saw a little child there and she was kind of stunned because that was <laughs> an unexpected thing <laughs> to find a, a child in the cloister. And so she asked, well, who are you? And the child says, well, who are you? And Teresa says, well, I am Teresa of Jesus because that's her name in religion. Teresa of Jesus. And the child answers, well, I am Jesus of Teresa. <laughs> and of course, uh, we now know that that was the, the Jesus Christ uh, uh, coming at that age. Uh, so, I mean, um, that's just kind of a, a, a setting for us to consider. Um, you know, she was Teresa of Jesus. And this friendship with Jesus, um, she fulfilled in every way. And so let us begin this conversation. You know, Mark, 
um, you know, some people think that Jesus Christ is just a fairy tale figure. I saw a billboard, actually, that was alluding to that. And in that, of course, they err greatly as they ignore the historical facts. And then, you know, some people believe that Jesus lived, but, you know, so long ago, so they don't think that he has anything to do with us today. But Christians know and believe that he has everything to do with us today. Some people think, okay, yes, he was alive and well back then, but he's just sitting back kind of watching us, not involved in our lives. Well, we know from studying our saints and our mystics like Teresa of Avila, Teresa of Jesus, they counter that position overwhelmingly because we know Jesus is the head and we are the body of this mystical body of Christ. For what we see in nature and all creation is just a hint, an echo of the truth to be found um, in the spiritual realm. The natural manifest the spiritual. That is one of the uh, common rules in the spiritual life. We know Jesus uh, and believe Jesus has ascended into heaven. And where the head goes, the body follows. So that's our destiny, heaven. And that is, of course, if we don't mess it up. Um, Jesus is still alive today. He's acting in the mystical body of Christ, the church. So here's the question. How do we become one in the Lord, in the mystical body of Christ? How do we develop an intimate friendship with our Lord? How can we come into touch with God, who is infinite and pure mystery to all creatures? Yeah, we Christians believe, Francis, that God himself, we know this, it's not uh, uh, something that's debatable, historical facts you mentioned before, the historical reality of the person of Jesus Christ is not really debatable. Um, it is this divine element that you bring up in the uh, previous comments that I think people struggle with. And we do tend to view uh, the world through the lens that we ourselves have created. You know, I think about this in the context of the political season we're in right now, and you think about the emphasis that so many are placing on the outcome of this election. And we should. We should be concerned about it, certainly, as a country. But but the outcome of this election, as important as it may ultimately be, really has very little to do in the context of the kingdom of God, and its outcome will in no way determine uh, our future. Instead, for us believing Christians, we know that it is the divine, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ as he entered the world, offering us a human, certainly a very real, touchable, tangible human relationship, but also this divine friendship by which we can approach him directly, interiorly, as I said earlier, continuously, at any time, during any uh, activity, at any stage of our life, we can approach our most intimate friend. Uh, Jesus Christ. St. Teresa uh, of Avila said, Christ is the one in whom God takes delight. He is the one through whom all blessings come. Therefore, she says, he's the gate. He's the path to God. And that's from her life, chapter 22. Now there are different ways in which we can relate to Christ. In Teresa's life, she says that he's our brother who enables us to call God our father. And then besides this, she says he's a friend and a companion, a companion particularly in times of difficulty and tribulation, which she knew much about. Um, she called him our teacher and master, 
who teaches us how to approach God, particularly in the Our Father. You know, the second half of her book, The Way of Perfection, is her um, reflection and prayer on the Our Father prayer. It is so beautiful. Um, she also says, uh, calls him our bridegroom or spouse. And, uh, of course, in um, the mystical life, we, we speak about spiritual marriage. Um, she says he is the Lord, the Lord of the world, our king, whom she often calls our majesty. So then here, here's the question, then, how can we come to know him? We know we have evidence that Teresa knew him uh, through her writings and her prayer. Well, here's the answer. Um, it is through love and prayer that we come to know him. As we would with any other individual. We would love them. Uh, we would have compassion, empathy, sympathy, um, you know, a desire to spend our time with them. This is the same way that human relationships develop. And what is prayer? Nothing but communication, intimate, very intimate communication. But also genuine communication, right? If we are in love with somebody, our spouse, a child, a parent, a dear friend, we want to be as genuine with that person as we can be. And so much of our prayer, Francis, I think for um, those who may be either just beginning the spiritual journey or maybe you have advanced in it quite some time uh, but don't feel their prayer life is developing, is a consequence, one, of the absence of this genuineness. Prayer is something repetitive. They're using perhaps still continually vocal prayer. There's nothing wrong, of course, with vocal prayer, but we have to move to a more intimate discussion as we would in a, a personal relationship with, with a loved one. And that's the key, of course, is this idea of love. We really have to get beyond thinking of God, of Jesus, as somebody out there, somebody mm-hmm. uh, beyond and someone who you know we have to be very formal with. Christ really wants us to be informal, just like, as you've described, a friendship, a divine friendship, albeit, but uh, somebody who we can have an intimate conversation with. Even if we see him as we should, as king, as majesty, uh, we still um, are entitled and, in fact, encouraged by Jesus himself to begin an intimate friendship. How do we know this? Well, from 1 John four seventeen through 19, we read this. God is love, and whoever remains in love remains in God, and God in him. In this is love brought to perfection among us, that we have confidence on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world, he being Jesus Christ. There is no fear in love, one of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, St. Teresa of Calcutta now, one of her favorite sayings. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. And so one who fears is not yet perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. And knowing that, we want to respond to that love. In ever-deepening ways do we want to respond to that love. And as we've just described, the most uh, appropriate and immediate way of doing that is through conversation, ironically, Francis, as we titled (laughs) this program, with Jesus Christ. Nothing is more beautiful than this intimate friendship with Jesus, who first stooped down and reached out to express his love to us in a very intimate way. St. Teresa of Avila, this mystic, this doctor of the church, was well known and loved for her lively personality and engaging conversation. She had a lot of friends. Yeah, she was, she was the popular attraction in the parlor at yeah, one time. <laughs> she was the great one for securing the funds necessary to keep the, the caramel going. But in fact, 
It is through the lens of friendship that St. Teresa began to better understand and comprehend the depths of prayer and growth in the spiritual life through her personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, in John fifteen thirteen, we hear the measure of a loving friendship. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And we know the rest of the story, of course. Jesus proved this with his actions, dying on the cross to save us. So Jesus has and does continue to offer his friendship to us. And he has laid down his life for us. So what does he ask of us? Well, in John 15, verses 14 and 15, he says, Mark, I want you to say this because it's from a male voice. I think it'll (laughs) it'll help. (laughs) He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have told you everything I have heard from my father. Now, by this idea, by the way, of slaves not knowing what their master is doing, he's not suggesting that they're not familiar, a slave wouldn't be familiar uh, with the work that a master is doing or with the um, occupation a master might uh, uh, be responsible for. What he's saying is that there's something else going on in this relationship. Jesus is, in fact, perfecting us. He's transforming us. He's transfiguring us. And he's telling us in this uh, particular verse that you are not slaves because you know exactly what I am doing. I am transforming you in love. This is what he's commanded. This is what he's telling us. So we become his friends by doing what he commands. What he commands is that we love that we love him, we respond to his love since he loved us first. And the most immediate way for us to then um, sort of uh, manifest that love is through our brothers and sisters, the encounters that we have uh, continually throughout the course of our day. That's where we show Jesus uh, that we are, in fact, following his command by being conformed to love. So in that verse you, you read, I have called you friends. So he is still calling us each of us individually, and it is up to us whether we answer the call. He's offering his love because he first loved us so that we may love him, so we may return the love. Um, so we, we become his friends by doing what he commands because out of love we, we want to please him. And this is what Teresa tells us, and this is from the interior castle in the fifth dwelling place. She says, The Lord asks of us only two things. So this could be easy, right? Two things. (laughs) Love, (laughs) love Love of his majesty, so love of God, and love of our neighbor. These are what we must work for. By observing them with perfection, we do his will, and so we'll be united with him. The most certain sign as to whether or not we are observing these two laws is whether we observe well the love of neighbor. We cannot know whether we love, whether or not we love God, although there are strong indications for recognizing that we do love him. But we can know whether we love our neighbor. And be certain that the more advanced you will be in the love of God, for the love of his majesty has for us is so great, that to repay us for our love of neighbor, he will in a thousand ways increase the love we have for him. I cannot doubt this. You know, St. Teresa goes on to encourage us further, and here she really sort of gets to the heart of this. The Lord desires, she says, intensely 
that we love him and seek his company. Jesus desires this of us. So much so, St. Teresa says, that from time to time, he calls us to draw near to him. These appeals and calls come through words spoken by other good people or through sermons or through what is read in good books or through many things that are heard and by which God calls or through illnesses at times, trials, and also through the truth that he teaches during brief moments we might spend in prayer. However lukewarm these moments might be, God esteems them very highly. Intimacy, confidential, loving relationship. These are the words that echo throughout Teresa's explanation of what she came to understand was the relationship she was supposed to have with God. Intimate, confidential, loving relationship. St. Teresa admits that for more than 18 years, she suffered a conflict between what she characterized as friendship with God and friendship with the world. I will tell you, brothers and sisters in Christ, that this is the very centerpiece of the contemplative life that we all struggle with. We want to find stability in the world because it can be very disruptive. But at the same time, we want this deep, intimate encounter with a divine nature that we will only find by spending intimate, personal, uh, private, confidential time with that person in Jesus Christ. In the early years of her life in the Carmel Convent, uh, Carmel Convent, St. Teresa had a vision of Christ. And he said to her, he desired to make me understand that those friendships were not proper for me, meaning these worldly friendships. How many of us uh, find ourselves challenged with distancing ourselves from individual friendships, individual encounters, individual attachments to the things of this world. That is where Satan launches his most aggressive attack on us if we desire to live the contemplative life, the interior life. And, of course, it's very common for people to say, we know who you are by the company you keep. Yes. So <laughs> it's, friendships are very important, and um, all of our saints have emphasized that time and time again. You know, who are your friends? What kind of friends do you have? Um, and are they leading you to, um, to God, to live an a, a intimate union with God in this life and in the next you know, um, so Teresa did struggle. There were a couple stories in her, um, the book of her life where she shares what those struggles were like with these worldly relationships. So if you want to go back and read, it's, it's in the book of her life, um, probably around chapter seven or eight. But, um, you know, finally in, um, the year 1554, a, f- a pivotal year for her, she had a great conversion when she looked at a statue of the wounded Christ and it really struck her. Nevertheless, she still needed more purification of her attachments to worldly attachment. But now she's making the pivot, so to speak. She she understands more clearly the Lord has been teaching her. You know, she wasn't offending God uh, through these relationships, but she still had some unhealthy attachments and loss of right order. So um, she knew, though, that for friendships to endure, the wills of the friends must be in accord. So she's realizing her will needs to be um, in union with God's will. So with characteristic, determined, determination and perseverance, St. Teresa begins to more seriously answer the call, you know, that God has been offering. He's offering his love. He's seeking and he is calling. And it's up to us to answer the call to this intimate friendship with Christ, especially through prayer. 
She came to understand something also about this idea of the development of the relationship. Um, she recognized that Christ was willing to adapt himself to our unique situation as a means of drawing us uh, towards him. Um, she wrote, in fact, they say that for a woman to be a good wife toward her husband, she must be sad when he is sad, joyful when he is joyful, even though she may not be so. It is the Lord who acts this way with us. He submits to your will. Behold him on the way to the garden, she says. Speaking to Christ in spontaneous prayer seems so natural for Teresa. No doubt because her spiritual gift of being a good conversationalist. Yeah, it was a natural gift. Yeah. And Teresa doesn't want us to feel like we have to pray with fancy words, and I said this earlier, putting on uh, either the formality of of, uh, limiting ourselves to vocal prayer or uh, the formality of, say, a public presentation that we would use oftentimes in prayer. Uh, She would advocate for a much more personal, intimate, confidential. She says, in fact, in the way of uh, perfection, since you speak with other persons, why must words fail you more when you speak with God? He knows us now. These are my words. He knows us intimately. And so Teresa's advocating, why would we use this distant, formal way of uh, encountering God uh, when we're quite comfortable uh, speaking less formally with a dear friend. But, you know, just in case words do fail us in prayer, um, St. Teresa gives us a great counsel. She says, But if we don't have words of our own, there is the Our Father that he taught us and continues to teach us as to its meaning. We may recite it slowly and take even a whole hour to recite it. I mean, so... Don't feel like you have to uh, come up with this eloquent prayer. Just reciting the Our Father phrase by phrase very slowly, which is what she gave us an example of in the second half of the Way of Perfection. That is a beautiful way to pray. Um, And uh, it comes from her counsel. And she put it to practice. And, you know, look where she was. (laughs) She she made it to the heights of the mystical life. All right. We're going to take a break um, right now. on our conversation about this intimate friendship with Jesus Christ from the perspective of St. Teresa of Avila. Um, so we're going to take a short bit, bit of a break, and then we'll, we'll come back, and we have more to share with you from Teresa. Thank you. Now 
Welcome back to Carmelite Conversations and Radio Maria Christian Voice in your home. Today we're talking, uh, not surprisingly, since we are approaching the 15th of October, Francis. The feast about day. <laughs> Teresa Vavala, her feast day, of course, on the 15th. And we're looking forward to that with great expectation in, in Carmel and, and all across the Catholic Church. Um, we talked about love. We talked about intimate conversation, Francis. We talked about this idea of relationship. Father Kiernan Kavanaugh, who we, of course, both know and love and whose works we respect immensely, points out another strategy that came easy to Teresa. And he says, relive the gospel scenes by relating to Christ, as did certain persons in scripture accounts of the Samaritan woman or Mary Magdalene or St. Paul at the moment of his conversion or St. Peter in tears or, or the Virgin Mary at the foot of the cross. The story of our Lord's life provided her with many ways by which she could approach the person of Christ and experience the power of his words and the actuality of his divine influence. At the center always was Jesus Christ. You know, this goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. In the genuineness of our communication, St. Teresa wrestled with that because, frankly, uh, she received some bad spiritual direction um, at not reflecting on the person of Jesus Christ. On his humanity, yeah. His humanity, which, of course, meant his suffering. He suffered in the body. And and these and many other instances, of course, that, that uh, Father Kavanaugh relates have to do with the person of Jesus Christ, the person of St. Peter, Mary Magdalene in her very human failings and shortcomings, our Blessed Mother at the foot of the cross. We can imagine what a horrible experience that must have been. But in all of these cases, also, it was important to Teresa to see Christ not only in his humanity, but in his suffering humanity. And all of the saints tell us this, that we can get in touch with the person of Jesus Christ. We can deepen our sympathy, empathy, and compassion for the person of Jesus Christ most immediately, most profoundly, when we reflect on his suffering. But Father Kavanaugh continues, How can I relate in a most intimate and personal fashion to the risen Christ so far above and beyond my reach? I can only relate to Christ on the level of spiritual life at which I now find myself. It is through, instead, his human experience, his childhood, public life, his temptations, his triumphs, his frustrations and delusionment, that I am offered the very real possibility of relating to him. Thus it was through the various mysteries of his earthly existence, perpetual and real, actual in himself, that Christ touched Teresa in the innermost recesses of her being and so can touch each of us. I'm reminded as I read through these words, Francis, obviously, and we're in the month of the Rosary, right? October. We just celebrated uh, celebrated the Feast of the Holy Rosary. Of Our Lady, the Holy weekend, Rosary. You know? mm-hmm. And what's important is um, we're not going to do this, of course, today, although we have discussed the possibility of doing another program on the Rosary, which I think will be important. But the Rosary gives us the opportunity to, in fact, cover the entire span of the Blessed Mother's life, um, our, our Lord, uh, of course, St. Joseph is included in that and so many others. But um, it is a great way for us to be able to enter in, as Father Kavanaugh is suggesting here, to these intimate human experiences uh, of our Lord, of the Blessed Mother, and of the saints. And St. Teresa counsels us, whenever we think of Christ, we should recall the love that led him to bestow on us so many graces and favors, and also the great love God showed in giving us, in Christ, a pledge of his love. 
for love calls for love in return. Let us strive to keep this always before our eyes and to rouse ourselves to love him. So love calls for love in return. That happens in human relations as well as in our relationship to the Lord. So love calling for love in return. And, of course, one of um, St. Teresa's famous quotes, All of our troubles come from not keeping our eyes on Christ. Well, how many times I have said that? Uh, And how many times I experienced that? (laughs) Unfortunately. I I can attest to that. And I would get, uh, you know, put the reverse in here as well. If we expose ourselves to the chained wild dog of Satan um, and we come within a certain proximity, we can well imagine that we're going to get bit or scratched. And I I can attest to that. Well, he's prowling about the world seeking for the ruin of souls. Absolutely. Continuously. And if we, if we fail to keep our eyes on Christ or if we allow ourselves to enter into frustration, despair, discouragement, any of those uh, aspects that the the demons we are told literally respond to, um, we expose ourselves to their attack. Here, Teresa is saying, "Hey, the safest way is just keep your eyes on Christ continuously." You know, Teresa's famous definition for prayer, and she's talking about mental prayer, is, is a frequent, intimate conversation with Him whom we know loves us. It it is so simple. Um, and we can relate to human relationships in this way. You know, we don't grow in our human relationships without having that frequent, intimate conversation with him whom we know loves us. But this is on the divine level. And um, so we want to expand on our relationship with Lord in this frequent, intimate conversation. And we can do that most perfectly through uh, the sacraments and through prayer. So, you know... Teresa, she speaks to us at length about Christ's love for us. She says, if Christ Jesus dwells in man as his friend and noble leader, that man can endure all things. For Christ helps and strengthens us and never abandons us. He is a true friend. And I clearly see that if we expect to please him and receive an abundance of his graces, God desires that these graces must come to us from the hands of Christ through his most sacred humanity in which God takes delight. And she goes on, Many, many times have I perceived this through experience. The Lord has told it to me. I have definitely seen that we must enter by this gate, which we're referring to his, uh, Jesus' humanity, We must enter by this gate if we wish his sovereign majesty to reveal to us great and hidden mysteries. A person should desire no other path, even if he is at the summit of contemplation. On this road, he walks safely. All blessings come to us through our Lord. He will teach us, for in beholding his life, we find that he is the best example. What more do we desire from such a good friend at our side? Unlike our friends in the world, he will never abandon us when we are troubled or distressed. I have to interrupt here because I I often hear um, among friends saying, well, how do people handle tragedies without God? In their lives, you know how how is it that you're you're in a car wreck and you're you know pinned in? You know, 
that's when so many people really are turning to the Lord uh, for his help and so many wonderful stories about rescues and uh, dire situations. What do people do when they uh, don't turn to Christ? Um, you know, you bring up a very interesting point, and I want to just share this briefly. There were many experiences, as is the case, whenever you're around somebody who's dying. I don't know if you've had that experience, Francis, but literally watching my father-in-law over the course of the last 24, 48 hours of his life, um, one of the things I remember is when, when they had moved him into hospice, he went into a condition where he was no longer able to respond. He couldn't speak. And um, we know he could hear and he could make gentle movements of his body and so forth. Uh, there's another interesting story regarding that. But uh, just quickly, I wrote a reflection on it because it was very compelling that I believed at that point he literally had been called to the inner room. That meaning... Uh, that his only intimate conversation at that point was with our Lord and with Our Lady. Mm. He could no longer communicate with those who were around him, not in any formal way, certainly not in a way he had previously. Um, his his limbs were somewhat limited in their movement, and his, as I say, speech was gone, and so on and so forth. And what are you left with there? As a Catholic, as a Christian, what we're left with is the inner room. We have literally been called to the inner room, and my reflection ended with, you never want to be called to that inner room for the first time when you're on your deathbed. You want to have visited there many times before you get called mm, there. Thank because you. Because it's a very um, um, wonderful moment of intimate encounter, but but not an area that you want to be ushered into for the first time as you're making your transition. The, the other quick story, um, he had lost largely the uh, uh, ability to uh, maneuver his limbs in any way. But uh, this ended up being only about uh, 20 hours before he passed away. A number of us, his family, were around him. We began to pray the rosary, and as we did, we began in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. My father-in-law lifted his right arm uh, higher than he had for many hours prior and made the sign of the cross. Oh, and I was thinking, of course, about the program, Francis, that you that and I did. had done on the side of the cross. Oh, yes. Uh, so you could hear my voice even now choking up. But it was everybody in the room took a breath. I mean, it was just a very compelling moment. Don't wait until that moment to enter into that inner room. This intimate encounter that Teresa is teaching us about should be um, uh, sought every day of our life. Well, when we practice these acts of faith and we pray, then when we are in dire need, that is one of our most natural responses is to pray and to exercise our faith, our hope, and our love. And God never disappoints. I'm so glad you shared that, Mark. That was very touching. So um, back to what Teresa was saying. What more do we desire from such a good friend at our side? Unlike our friends in the world, he will never abandon us when we are troubled or distressed. Blessed is the one who truly loves him and always keeps him near. Let us consider the glorious St. Paul. It seems that no other name fell from his lips than that of Jesus, because the name of Jesus was fixed and embedded in his heart. Once I had come to understand this truth, I carefully considered the lives of some of the saints the great contemplatives, and found that they took no other path. Francis, Anthony of Padua, Bernard, Catherine of Siena. A person must walk along this path in freedom, placing himself in God's hands. If God should desire to raise us to the position of one who is an intimate and shares his secrets, we ought to accept this gladly. 
And that was from the book of her life. Well, you know, one of the reasons that uh, Teresa's life was so focused on the creation of foundations, men, uh, all of which, in fact, are still there today. Yes. Um, and still fostering vocations, was that she genuinely wanted to create this community of friends for Christ. In fact, she says in the way of perfection, all my longing was and still is that since he has so many enemies and so few friends, that these few friends be good ones. As a result, I resolved to do the little that was in my power, that is to follow the evangelical counsels as perfectly as I could and strive that these few, those who were living in her carmels, uh, her foundations, that these few persons who live here do the same. Of course, the evangelical counsels we know are poverty, chastity, and obedience. We know how weak we are, and St. Teresa understood that very well. Um, She encourages us by saying uh, in the interior castle, the Lord doesn't look so much at the greatness of our works as the love with which they are done. Back to this intimate relationship, Francis. Mm -hmm. And if we do what we can, his majesty will enable us each day to do more and more, provided that we do not quickly tire. But during a little while, this life lasts, and perhaps it will last a shorter time than each of us thinks. I think that's true for many of us. Mm -hmm. Let us offer the Lord interiorly and exteriorly the sacrifice we can. His majesty will join it with that which he offered on the cross to the Father for us. Thus, even though our works are small, they will have the value uh, value our love for him would have merited had they been great. And what she's really telling us here is we have to do our part. We have to do what we can. We can and um, uh, flawed as we are, Christ takes that little sacrifice and makes of it something very profound and because very special. Because we unite it with him exactly, and through his merits. Um, and so uh, it takes on a divine significance then. <laughs> You know, we, we've got to be diligent in seeking the Lord and answering this ongoing call. And it, it's, a, it's a call that keeps drawing us deeper into a deeper, intimate relationship with him. St. Teresa gives us this counsel to help us represent the Lord himself as close to you. And behold how lovingly and humbly he is teaching you. Believe me, you should remain with so good a friend as long as you can. If you grow accustomed to having him present at your side and he sees that you do so with love and that you go about striving to please him, he will never fail you. He will help you in all your trials. You will find him everywhere. Yeah, this idea of finding him everywhere is very important too. And uh, we've said so many times the interiority, the uh, contemplative life. And this is an area where, where, where um, St. Teresa, of course, struggled. We know this from her own writings and from um, the uh, reflections uh, written about her experience and what led her to a deep, intimate understanding of our Lord. Father Kavanaugh, who we mentioned before, Carmelite Friar, Uh, writing in an article called Christ in the Mysticism of St. Teresa, writes, when she is speaking of representing Christ, then she is not referring to some vivid picturing with her imagination. She would have, in fact, said that she had limited imaginative capability. Or to the composition, Father Kiernan writes, of place with all its detail. 
Her concern is not with the physical details of the physical qualities of Christ or of the particular scene. For, for Teresa, representing Christ has more to do with becoming aware of his presence, of becoming present to him who never takes his eyes off us. She goes directly to the person of Christ in his humanity. She brings him to her consciousness as either within her or beside her. This was her manner of entering prayer. But because of her fragile nature and a mind that was so susceptible to digression, so alert and active, as the reading of her own writings demonstrates clearly, she felt torment over her inability to concentrate her attention, her wild horses again, uh, is a great reference. As a result, she resorted as well to other supports and strategies in order to present Christ to like, herself. Like carrying a statue with exactly. her wherever she went or, or using a book to open. But, you know, this is very much how we, we think of our loved ones. You know, uh, when I think of my husband, I don't necessarily have a picture of him in my mind. I, I you know, I, I say his name. I, I think of him, but it, it's not like I've got the details in, in my imagination, but but I, I know him. You have the whole package of the person. You understand, yeah. Doug's? Uh, kindness and his uh, uh, patience and his strength and all of those elements that make him up. And you don't have to sit there and, you know, sort of dissect them. They all sort of represent themselves to you instantly. It's the same way with me and my own spouse. You know, she represents herself to me almost instantly in a picture. I know who she is. Conversely, if there are people in my life I'm not as enamored of, they might present themselves to me in a, a, you know, less uh, appealing way. And that's what... uh, Father Kiernan is telling us was Teresa's method. It wasn't so much the focusing. She even said she had uh, limited imaginative capability for doing that uh, representation, the physical representation. It was the person of Christ, all of Christ, his compassion, his great love, his sympathy, his his, uh, uh, courage, his sacrifice, all represented itself to her in prayer almost instantaneously. And of course... When we do have a picture, like she did, when we have a picture of our family, you know, uh, that does help us to enter in and remember and reminisce and, uh, you know, uh, think of our loved ones. So, um, I mean, it, everything she's saying is just so simple. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, have we applied that to the divine life uh, with uh, uh, God the Father and Son and Holy Spirit? You know, one day, uh, Teresa began to experience Christ's presence in a way that, None of her efforts could have ever produced, and it's because this was a special presence that God was giving. It was a gift. Teresa tells us, I sometimes experienced, as I said, although very briefly, the beginning of what I will now speak about. It used to happen when I represented Christ within me in order to place myself in his presence, or even while reading, that a feeling of the presence of God would come upon me unexpectedly so that I could in no way doubt that he was within me, or I totally immersed in him. This did not occur after the manner of a vision. So this is the transition now that that took place from Teresa making the effort to represent Christ within her, uh, not with imagination, but for you know the whole experience of who Christ is to her, to now her experiencing um, his presence within her. You know, life can get busy and hectic, and, and it was that way for Teresa. Um, 
because she was buying properties and scouting properties and trying to find houses for the foundations and all the paperwork and financial transactions and political stuff. Um, you know, she had periods of great distraction and trial. But, you know, it was at these times that Christ was the source of particular strength for her. She said, life is long and there are many trials in it. And we have to look at Christ, our model. The good Jesus is very good company for us. Too much so for us to turn away from him. So I ask, you know, um, when's the last time you thought of Christ in your day as you went through your day? Uh, Invite him in to each moment and you will find so good of a friend. Pope uh, Emeritus Benedict XVI, in fact, said a clear focus upon the imitation of Christ in holiness of life is exactly what is needed in order for us to move forward. We need to rediscover, he says, the joy of living a Christ-centered life. It is in loving friendship with him that the fullness of life is to be found. Uh, Pope Emeritus, of course, uh, Benedict XVI was a um, perhaps most noted as a biblical scholar, but everything he drew from his uh, scholarship uh, around the Bible and his uh, communication uh, uh, of the Word of God centered on Christ. He was continuously seeking this encounter with the living God, this encounter with Christ, this experience. And as Francis read, for Teresa, there was this time where she had to do the work. She had to attempt to represent Christ to herself and then to think about him and then to reflect on him. And then later, as as uh, she began to become more comfortable with this and more consistent, the joy moved to this very experience that Pope Benedict talks about, a clearer focus on the imitation of Christ in holiness of life. Pope Benedict also said, Indeed, the purest joy lies in the relationship with him, Christ encountered, followed, known, and loved, thanks to a constant effort of mind and heart. To be a disciple of Christ, for a Christian, this suffices. Friendship with a teacher guarantees profound peace and serenity to the soul, even in the dark moments and in the most arduous trials. When faith meets with dark nights, in which the presence of God is no longer felt or seen, friendship with Jesus guarantees that in reality nothing can ever separate us from his love. He goes on, For you, this requires in the first place a personal and profound experience of the incarnate God, an intimate friendship with Jesus, and whose name the church sends you for a singular apostolic duty. You know that the Christian faith cannot be reduced to mere intellectual knowledge of Christ and his doctrine. And he was uh, addressing the Pontifical Ecclesiastical Academy when he said that. So I think a good way to close before we pray, Francis, is through this reflection question. It's actually provided to us by... Jean Abbevin, in um, a, uh, a brief reflection from the 15 days of prayer with St. Teresa, he just asked this quite simply, do I perceive God as a friend? If not, how can I cultivate this friendship to the degree of joy which St. Teresa knew as a friend of God? If I do perceive God as a friend, in what ways do I express my friendship to him? Do I seek to spend time with God as I do with my other friends? It is said that the friends we keep very much about who we are, say very much about who we are and what we strive to become as people. In what ways does this hold true for my friendship with God?
With that, we are going to um, close with the prayer from St. Teresa of Avila from her soliloquies. I do want to invite all of you to um, fast with us on Friday, the day before the feast day of St. Teresa of Avila, um, her feast day again on Saturday, the 15th of October, um, and then rejoice with us on Saturday uh, with Carmelites throughout the world, uh, rejoicing in this great gift that um, Holy Mother, St. Teresa of Jesus, St. Teresa of Avila has given to us. So let us pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, what a good friend you make, my Lord. How you proceed by favoring and enduring. You wait for the others to adapt to your nature, and in the meanwhile, you put up with theirs. You take into account, my Lord, the times when they love you, and in one instant of repentance, you forget their offenses. Oh, my Lord, how you are the true friend and how powerful. When you desire, you can love and you never stop loving those who love you. All things praise you, Lord of the world. Oh, who will cry out for you to tell everyone how faithful you are to your friends? All things fail. You, Lord of all, never fail. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I remind you, you've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria Christian Voice in your home. And also another quick reminder, we want to encourage everyone in Carmel to celebrate with us on Sunday, the 16th of October, the canonization of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. It'll be a wonderful day in the church, a wonderful day in Carmel. Uh, please draw down as many graces as will be made available to all of us on that day. Ask big. Um, yes, <laughs> Pray ask big, big. Ask big. <laughs> and Blessed Elizabeth, St. Elizabeth by then, will certainly uh, pour out blessings on all of us. A reminder again, you've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria. Until we're with you again next week, God bless. Radio Maria, this is Evan. Okay, Evan, I'm calling back in to record. All right, let me get you set up real quick.